this morning to John, John chapter 16, hallelujah, John chapter 16, we're going to start reading with the seventh verse, and I would like everyone to stand for the reading of the word. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to the, my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said, to, said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we have this opportunity to break the word of life. We know that your word is forever settled in heaven, and your word is truth. Your word brings life to us. And God, we ask that it might be quickened by the Holy Spirit this morning, that God, we might indeed Feed upon that heavenly manna that would satisfy our souls. God, we love you, and we want to hear from you this morning. So make this word come alive. May the anointing of the Holy Spirit rest upon each of us. May our ears be opened. May our hearts be receptive. May you indeed anoint this pastor to preach this word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I was talking to you earlier, I was speaking about the fact that we are a Pentecostal church. The thing that happened on the day of Pentecost should be evident in this church. That's why we're called Pentecostal. We believe that everything that took place in the book of Acts, that it was a beginning, not an end. It's the only book that has not been completed. We are still writing 
the book of Acts. It's the Acts of the Apostles. It's what the Apostles did after the day of Pentecost. They were waiting in the upper room. They were all in one accord. They were all praying. And this promise that Jesus made here in John 16 took place. Hallelujah. It grieves me when I hear people call the Holy Spirit it. And you women, when you're carrying a child, you know how it kind of disturbs you when they come up and they say, it moved. Well, it's not an it. It's a he or it's a she, but it's not an it. And the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's a per he is a person. And he reacts to other persons. And he can be grieved. And he can be quenched. And he can be, uh, he comforts, he convicts, he reveals, he regenerates. He keeps uh, us in the grace of God. Our usefulness, our joy, our peace of mind and heart, our boldness to witness, and our effectiveness depends on the availability the, our, our, of us availing ourselves to the filling of the Holy Spirit. So, to receive the, Holy, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit, I believe that we can, I hate to use the word qualify, because that makes it sound like uh, I can do something to deserve it. But I believe that there's certain things that I can do which makes me more receptive to receiving the gift. So you ask, what must I do? That's what they ask on the day of Pentecost. What must I do? Well, let me offer some things that we can do in a positive direction to avail as much of the Holy Spirit as is possibly human to receive. First of all, I believe that we must earnestly long to be filled. We can have exactly as much of God as we're willing to give of ourselves. I remember as a Young Christian, I'm riding along in my Volkswagen wagon, praising the Lord. And I'm singing that song, I want more of Jesus. I want more and more and more. I want more of Jesus than I've ever had before. I want more of his great love, so rich and full and free. I want more of Jesus, so I'll give him more of me. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that's right. You can have exactly as much of me as you're willing to give of yourself. So 
So the first thing is that we must desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Desire is the key. Those people that were gathered in that upper room were there for a purpose. Jesus had promised. He said, Wait ye therefore in Jerusalem till you receive the promise of the Father. Isn't that what he said? And they were waiting there. They were tarrying there. They were praying there. They were looking for something to happen. The reason most of us don't have more than what we have is because we don't have the desire to have more. Come on, it's truth. We have just as much as we desire. If we really desire more, then we're going to press in there and we're going to get more. If we're satisfied with uh, getting along without the power of God, then we'll never receive the power of God. If you don't want the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get the infilling of the Holy Spirit. There's churches today that have a form of godliness but are denying the power thereof. See, this, this wish to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Ghost and fire as we sung about this morning has to be an all-consuming desire. You've got to want it so bad you can taste it. Hallelujah. It's got to be the most important thing in your life. Some people might say to me this morning, Pastor, why are you making such a big deal out of this thing? You know what my answer is? Because it's a big deal. It is a big deal. You don't have to read the book of Acts or you don't have to read uh, Romans 8, uh, uh, the chapter, but one time, and you realize the importance of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. Amen? Hallelujah. We need the Spirit's power in order to perform the task that Jesus has called us to do. Jesus has called us and he's commissioned us to go and to be witnesses unto him, even unto the ends of the world, uh, earth. We're, we're to be worldwide evangelists for Jesus Christ. And I can't do it unless he gives me the power or it'll never get done. I can do exactly as much for Jesus as I'm willing to let him do through me.
Which brings me to point number two. We must be willing to empty of everything else. We've got to be emptied of everything else. If I have a vessel that is full, that was just a breeze blowing. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Just, just, just a breeze blew through. Hallelujah. If I have a vessel and it's filled with something else, let's say I have this vessel here filled with flowers, then I can't very well put something else into that vessel until I take the flowers out. It's only going to hold just what I put in it. And so we've got to empty of ourselves if we're going to put Jesus in. We've got to empty of ourselves if the Holy Spirit's going to fill us. If I only empty three quarters of a glass of water out, then I can only put three quarters of a glass of water in. I've got to empty everything out if I want to completely fill that glass with water. Everything else has to go. Well, that's the way it is with us. We've got to completely be emptied of self in order to say, I am full of the Holy Spirit. You can't be full of the Holy Spirit and be full of something else. You can't be full of the Holy Spirit and be full of self. You can't be full of the Holy Spirit and be uh, full of worldliness. You can't be full of the Holy Spirit and be filled with, uh, with righteousness if there's no righteousness in there. I mean, if you've got unrighteousness, you can't be filled with righteousness. Amen? <clears throat> you can only be filled with righteousness to the point that you've emptied yourself. If I'm 50% emptied of the world, then I can put 50% of righteousness into my life. We, we're talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. That means baptismal, overflowing. We must be completely emptied of pride, of self-righteousness, of our love for pleasure. For to be filled with God's pleasure, we can't be filled with worldly pleasure. Amen? It's a fact. Thirdly, we must desire to be filled for, with, uh, for Christ's glory, not our glory. I'll repeat that. We must desire to be filled with Christ's glory, not our glory. The question we need to ask ourselves is, why do I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? 
Why do you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Is it so that you can have more, uh, more of a successful Christian life? Is it so you can be more successful in your ministry? That you can be a better Sunday school teacher? So that uh, you can be a successful church leader? You see, even in that area, we're still asking for the wrong reason. If you wish to be filled so that you can preach more eloquently or uh, you wish to be filled so that you might draw great big crowds, if you desire to be filled so that you can be, have sensational revival meetings, they're all good in themselves, but it's not the reason you should want to be filled. We're still filled with selfishness if we're asking for them reasons because we want them for what God, how we'll look. You understand? <clears throat> Turn, uh, well, look at John 16, verse 14. You're still open there. It says... Who's going to get glorified? Verse 16. Or verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 14. Who's going to be glorified? Jesus. Jesus. It says, he, he will glorify me, me being Jesus. He being the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to glorify Jesus. And so the reason that we should want to be filled is so that we can glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit never glorifies the Christian. Yet I see people, when they get filled with the Holy Ghost, they're drawing attention to themselves. That is not the reason to get filled. The reason to get filled is so we'll give glory to Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't glorify anyone but Jesus. And he never glorifies himself. Fourthly, we must yield wholly to God and his will. We're talking about things that we can do that will make it, us more receptive to this infilling. We must be yielded wholly to the will of God or to his will. What I'm talking about is unconditional surrender. Unconditional surrender. What does unconditional surrender mean to you? That means that you surrender, you give up, and you're not setting any conditions. I just give up. 
That's surrender. Unconditional conditional surrender is, I'll surrender or I'll give up if you'll do this. But when you're surrendering to the will of God, you're saying, yes, I surrender, I will do what God has asked, no conditions necessary. I'll just do what God says. I surrender to the will of God. It's like writing a blank check, taking a blank check out of your checkbook and filling it out except for how much and signing your name to it and letting the person you're giving it to fill in the amount. And that's the way we have to come to God. I will surrender to your will. You set the conditions. You do what you want to do. And we can't be like some of these people that say, Lord, I'll serve you if. I'll do this if you do that. I want everything Jesus has and I'll serve you, Lord, just don't send me to Africa. That's a condition. I'll serve you, Lord, I'll do what you ask, only just don't put me in that church. That's a condition. You can't come up here and say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost and I will. That's a condition. Whatever I will do for you. Complete surrender is needed. Absolutely and total commitment. Boy, that's something you don't hear much of today. Absolute, total commitment. I'm committed today in this area. But, Lord, don't touch this one over here. People, you don't make deals with the Lord. Some people are afraid to surrender. You know that? You know why? Because they're afraid the Lord's going to take advantage of them. If I sign that blank check for the Lord, I, I completely surrender. We're like Jonah. I knew that you would do that. I knew that if I went to Nineveh, you'd change your mind and forgive them. Make a fool out of me. Are you willing to be a fool for Christ's sake? That's what it takes. 
I'm willing to let God do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to make me look stupid, praise God. He doesn't, he doesn't use my intellect anyway. Amen? Look around us. There's not many wise amongst us, not many mighty. Amen? Paul said that he was, a, he was willing to be a fool for Christ's sake. I want to tell you something. God is a loving Father, and you can trust him. You can trust him. Hallelujah. He'll never take advantage of you. He always prescribes what's best for you. If he asks you to go to, go to Peru, then that, that's because you're the best equipped in his mind to go to Peru because you're yielded to him and he feels that going to Peru is going to do something for you. Not what you're going to do for the heathen in Peru, it's what he's going to do for you by you going there. If you go to Zion to school, it's not what you're going to do for other people. It's what he's going to do in your heart while you're at Zion. He's going to do what's best for you. He knows what's best for you. Amen? Hallelujah. If we could only get the sovereignty of God through our minds and realize that God is sovereign and God makes all things work together for good for them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. He's going to make even the roughest and the toughest and the worst things work out for your good, for the good of the kingdom. Amen. Maybe you can't see it when it's happening, but praise God he's in it. Praise him. Last of all, This is a simple one. I bet you someone's ahead of me on this one. What's the, what's the last step? You gotta ask him. You gotta ask him. You know the gift's there. All you gotta do is ask. You have not because you ask not. That's the only reason you don't have it. Look with me to Luke. Chapter 11. This one here, I wish you'd mark it up because you might want to show someone else. These disciples came to Jesus and they said, we want to learn to pray. He said, okay. Gives them a model prayer. And then he goes on to say, And I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Verse 9. Verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread uh, from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? 
Or if he asks for an egg, will he, get, uh, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to who? Say it again. To those who ask him, he's going to give the Holy Spirit. To them that ask him, he'll give the Holy Spirit. You see, the just must live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen? Okay. So when we ask, we must ask in faith. Faith, uh, give, me, give me a definition of faith. What's faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means you don't see them, you can't feel them, uh, you, you just know because you know because you know, and, and you're trusting God. You're putting your faith in God and in his word. Amen? Okay. So, first of all, we must ask in faith, and we've got to be persistent in it. He said, ask, seek, and knock. That don't mean just casually. Ask, seek, and knock. And if you take the first letter of each one of those, it spells ask. So he wants you to ask. And then believing is taking God at his word. You can't go by feelings. How many of you have found that out? You can't go by feelings. All right. You can't go by feelings, so we've got to go by the word of God. Verse 9. He says, ask, and it will be what? Seek, and you will knock, and what? Okay, verse 10, underlined it. Everyone who asks, everyone who asks receives. If you come up here and you have surrendered to the will of God and you ask God in faith, not putting any stipulations to it. You come up here, you're not seeking it for your glory. You're seeking it that you might glorify him. And you ask, you're going to receive. I didn't say it, God said it. He said you will receive. And he's not going to give you something else. He's going to give you what you ask for. What did you ask for? You ask to be filled with the Spirit. So when you come up asking to be filled with the Spirit, then you must take God's word that if you ask Him, you received it. You begin to praise Him because He has just baptized you in the Holy Ghost and fire. He has given you power. He has given you of his life. He has given you another comforter. You begin to praise him from deep within. And you keep right on praising him. And eventually, you're going to see the manifestation 
of what you've asked for. Because the first evidence or the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is speaking with other tongues even as they did on the day of Pentecost. See, he doesn't want you to go around wondering, well, did I get baptized or didn't I? He's going to give you evidence that you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. Does that mean that the Spirit takes your tongue and, and, and takes complete control of it and you no longer have any control of your tongue? No, 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 no. He, I said at the very beginning, you have as much of Jesus as you're willing to give of yourself. When you give your tongue to him and you, he still, you still have your own mind. He never took your mind away. And how does the tongue normally move? There's something from the mind that says move tongue and the tongue goes move. Isn't that right? Stick out your tongue. <laughs> right? He will begin to impress a supernatural language upon you, and you will have to move your tongue, and those words will be spoken. If you don't want to move your tongue, you don't want to speak those words, all you got to do is sit there and say no. No, I'm not going to do it. I don't know how to make it any simpler. <clears throat> we can either go by feelings or we can go by the Word of God that's forever settled in heaven. Let me ask you a question. How many here this morning? Now, you can lie to me. I'm easy. I'll tell you the truth. I'm easy. You tell me that's, that's, that's the way it is, and that's, yeah, I, I take your word for it. But you can't lie to God. All right. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are absolutely satisfied with your Christianity the way it is right now? How many would like to experience much more than they have experienced? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then what you're saying is you want more and you want his best. Is that right? All right, over in Ephesians 5.18, it says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the Spirit. That be filled with the Spirit, George is a better Greek scholar than I am, but uh, he'll tell you, this is a continuous tense. 
Keep being filled is what it's really saying. Keep being filled with the Spirit. Now, at the time I came to the altar, when I was initially filled with the Holy Spirit, I was hungry. I had a desire to be closer to God. I had a desire to see Jesus glorified. And I got down there and I began to pray, Oh, God, and I was praying for the lost of the world, believe it or not. I wasn't even praying for the Holy Spirit. I had asked him a few days earlier to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I was praying for the lost, and all of a sudden, I began to hear myself speaking in a language that I had never learned. And it was kind of a, a grieved type language. And I said, God, what is going on? And yet I felt such a presence of the Lord. And I didn't want whatever's happening, I don't want it to stop. You know, understand what I'm saying? And he said, that's your spirit grieving for the lost. See, his spirit was now controlling my spirit. We were one in the spirit, one in the Lord. You understand? And God is grieved over the lost. The Holy Spirit's grieved over the lost. And tears were rolling down my cheeks, and yet I had such, a, such an experience with the Lord that I didn't want it ever, ever to stop. Well, my prayer language has since broadened out and and uh, it's taken on different forms as the Spirit speaks through me. But it opened a whole new world. Because at that moment, I was yielded to the Spirit of God. I, I wanted nothing but God, and so I got the fullness of the Spirit. Baptism. You can walk out of there and begin to allow the world to creep back in and you're not full of the Spirit anymore because now you got part of the world. I'm not asking you if you were filled in the Spirit yesterday. I'm asking, are you filled with the Spirit today? And there's a difference. That's what Ephesians is talking about. Continue to be filled with the Spirit. It's more than a one-time experience. It's an ongoing experience. You keep being filled with the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit. You pray in the Spirit. You, you uh, witness in the Spirit. You become one with God till He's controlling your life. That's what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's more than just speaking in tongues. And a lot of people come up and they ask, Oh, Lord, let me speak in tongues. 
What good is it? If it, does, if it isn't more than, than, than just speaking in tongues, it's got to be the evidence that you're full of God. Then it means something. And I believe that on this day of Pentecost, in a Pentecostal church, I know it's a quarter after twelve, Everybody's ready to go home. Would you be surprised if I told you I did it on purpose this time? Hmm? Because unless you really want what you said you wanted, you're going to be in such a hurry to go home that you're not going to take time to come to the altar. So those that really want to be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire again today on this day of Pentecost, I'm going to invite you to the altar. And if you feel like you've got to go home, my prayers will go with you. But I think God would do some work right up around this altar this morning. Where's Flora? I hope she's not one of the ones that's got to go home. Hallelujah. She's willing to come up and play. Are you willing to come up and seek God? Take a few minutes and just say, God, fill me. Fill me. I surrender. Fill me. I want everything you got for me this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want more of Jesus. I want more and more and more. I want more of Jesus than I've ever had before. I want more of his great love, so rich and full and free. I want more of Jesus, and I'm going to give him more of me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I can't go on without you. I don't even want to go on without you. Father, I come seeking not what you can do, but what I come seeking you. I come asking, Lord, for this relationship that goes beyond anything that's human, humanly possible. Father, I seek the fullness to where you are in control of everything. Father, I've been guilty of conducting my own affairs. And God, I want you to conduct the affairs of business in my life. I surrender, Lord. I surrender. Oh, hallelujah. Father, thank you for showing me my need this morning. Thank you that your word says that everyone that asks receives. And Father, as I ask right now, I praise you. I praise you, Lord, for filling me again this morning.
Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Father, glorify your Son through us. Holy, holy, holy is our God. Handare bo ki, handare asiri di andare bo ko shalare andare as. 